At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig. Healthcare Americana is a podcast for the 99% of people who get healthcare in America. We're not clinicians or policymakers. We're patients, caregivers, executives, and advocates who are fed up with the status quo and have a desire to change it. This podcast brings listeners backstage at innovative organizations with innovative individuals across America that are putting patients first by delivering exceptional care to anyone and everyone. This episode, we're continuing to explore pharmacy benefit managers, PBMs for short. It is a clouded, confusing industry for most. And what really sets this conversation apart is the men and women over at Disclosed Rx have come up with a way to provide fully transparent PBMs, pharmacy benefits to their clients. With us today is Steve Neverla, Director of Business Development at Disclosed Rx, and Zach Robinson, the managing partner at Disclosed Rx. Zach, Steve, welcome to Healthcare Americana. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks for having us, Chris. Now, the biggest question on everybody's mind, and Zach, I'll, I'll turn to you for this one. What is a PBM? What is a pharmacy benefit manager? Great. So plain and simply, PBMs are the middleman between the demand side of a pharmacy transaction. Read that as anyone filling a prescription and the supply side of the transaction. And the supply side has many facets to it as far as suppliers, wholesalers, pharmaceutical companies, um, and anywhere in between pharmacies. So PBM sits right in the middle of that entire transaction, and they manage the flow of how those transactions happen from patient bringing their script to the pharmacy all the way back to getting the drug from the pharmaceutical company and then delivering it back to the patient and then billing that somewhere in between. So they're a middleman is the, the most plain and simple answer. With that definition of being a metalman, you know, we come from an industry, Freedom Health Works, and a lot of listeners come from the direct care world who are saying, wow, we're doing everything we can to cut out middlemen. Why are PBMs necessary in this day and age? Are they so, necessary? I guess sort of as a leading question. Uh, I don't want yeah. to cut your own throat here. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it is a good question. And I think, you know, it, they, they are at a, we're at a point in the life cycle of healthcare as a whole. And, and just because of the way that everything is set up right now, they are necessary. I don't think that they were initially. I think initially PBMs were birthed from this idea of collective purchasing power, bringing drug costs down for group health insurance or individual health insurance. And that collective purchasing power would result in you know better results for, for groups. And the pharmaceutical companies saw that PBMs had all of this influence over the formulary of what drugs were available for patients to purchase. And those formularies started out very good. They were value-based and we weren't uh, allowing folks to fill drugs that perhaps don't really make a lot of sense. But over time, the, the pharmaceutical companies realized, okay, this middleman has a lot of influence. So I'm going to influence that middleman. And so you've got a PBM 
in the middle of this transaction, taking money from both sides. And it's proliferated such that you have Humira, which is a very common drug, costs upwards of $65,000 per member per year. So we're at a point now where members cannot afford that themselves. PBMs have only done everything to drive drug costs up because it's in their best interest to have higher drug costs, have higher rebates. And the pharmaceutical companies are, are happy to oblige them in that. So unfortunately, now I think they are necessary just from the standpoint of you're not going to have individual patients paying directly for their meds, at least in our current system. So the entire system would have to come down to make PBMs essentially an unnecessary entity. Now, I want to make sure that listeners and everybody's on the same page from this. So I want to walk through really what I consider to be a patient experience, a customer experience standpoint. And Steve, chime in here if this is better in your court as director of business development. But when somebody walks into a retail pharmacy and has a script for, you used Humira before, has a script for Humira and they present it to their pharmacist, what actually happens in the supply chain and the operations? What actually happens to have that little piece of paper with the doctor's order on it what has to happen for that patient to get those pills? I mean, give me the whole backstory just so people understand that this isn't just a magic process where the pills show up at the pharmacy and then you get this paper and then you got your pills and you have a nice day. Yeah. So I think I'll, I'll take that one. Yeah, that. Um, so patient walks into the pharmacy with a script and also their member ID card. And so that member ID card has various pieces of information on it, like a bin, PCN, group number, and their member ID. And so the pharmacist puts that information into their computer system, and that computer system is connected to what we refer to as a switch. And the two main switches are MD-ON and Relay Health. Those switches take fractional transaction dollars, and when I say fractional, I mean you know less than pennies per claim that they process, and then they send that claim information to the PBM. And really, when I say PBM, what I'm talking about is a claims adjudication system. And so that claims adjudication system checks that member's benefits, returns to the switch and ultimately to the pharmacy what the member's copay should be for that drug. If for some reason that drug is excluded flat out, it will tell the pharmacy that if there's a PA required, it will send messaging back that says, please call this number to get your PA. So, um, I mean, there are a lot of resultant things that can happen when a member brings that script in. But ultimately, from a delivery standpoint, pharmacies purchase drugs from wholesalers who purchase drugs from pharmaceutical companies. And then the wholesalers distribute drugs to the various pharmacies. And then each PBM has contracts with various pharmacy networks or uh, RAP networks or ASOs or things like that for large, you know, chain um, for pharmacies that may be independent pharmacies that are part of a group purchasing organization, they purchase from the wholesalers and then they deliver those scripts to the member, but they have a contract with the PBM that says, we're going to sell this drug for, let's say, 22% off of what the average wholesale price is. And then they deliver that drug to the member based on whatever that contract price with the PBM is. And then, of course, with their copay, deductible, and out-of-pocket all taken into account. Just to summarize, so there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes. Is that just a, the complexity there? And that might sound simple to you, Zach, and I apologize if it does, but to me, I mean, it sounds complex. Is that a machination of 
the multiple layers of insurance and, and members and uh, group numbers and all that noise out there, the driving costs up, is, that, is this just a direct result from that? Well, absolutely. And we haven't even really gotten into the complexity of PBMs thus far. That, that, that's the most simple way that I, know, I just put it. And we just scratched the surface and already and, we're like, okay, so this guy goes here and then this happens and then this happens and this happens and this happens all the way through there. Um, that's in an ideal transaction. That's what happens. Yes. So th- there, are, there are many games that can be played and, and our tagline, it disclosed RX is no shell games ever, right? And, and the reason that we came up with that is because there are at least 53 different ways that we know of that PBMs can generate revenue from their clients or from their members that is not exposed to the member or the client. So they, they have no idea that the PBM is earning that revenue. What's what an example there? You mentioned so, 53 different, different revenue lines. And I'm sitting here like, wow, that's pretty amazing uh, from a yeah. simple interaction of a doctor writes a prescription, patient goes, gets that prescription filled. There's 53 different types of revenue touch points on that. Yeah, exactly. And so this is one. So spread pricing, everyone knows about, right? That That's one that the, the big PBMs get away with all the time is, is drug costs X, they charge X plus Y percentage, right? The, the more sinister version of that is if you get into a no spread pricing contract, but then there is what we refer to colloquially as the invisible adjudication fee, because what you can do as an independent PBM, if you wanted to, and we... <laughs> Part of the reason we know about some of these is as we were uh, interviewing claims adjudication platforms, we found out about these various elements. One of them said, okay, so what do you want your backend admin fee to be? And I had never heard that term before. And I said, what what is a backend admin fee? And they're like, oh, well, that's the admin fee that will add to the ingredient cost of every claim that comes through. And it's not a rebate. It's not uh, spread pricing. It's an admin fee. It's just inside the drug costs. And I said, well, you guys obviously are not clear on what we're trying to do with this company. So we went to the next adjudication platform. But that, that, that's one example. Another is rebates, right? And everyone knows the term rebates. The, the problem is, is no one knows that rebates are maybe 80% of that game, right? Because drug companies wised up to the fact that PBMs were starting to have to pass through rebates to their clients. So one of the things that they did is they said, okay, well, instead of giving you a rebate, I've, I've got bad news. Your rebate used to be a hundred bucks. And typically it goes up 10 to 20% every year. This year, it's not going up. It's staying at a hundred bucks. But what we're going to do instead is we're going to send you this other $20 check and we're going to call it a supply chain incentive fee or a business collaboration credit or unicorn, blue sky, rainbow, call it anything but a rebate. And by the way, your contract says you pass through rebates. Well, this isn't a rebate, so you can keep it. So those are two very simple ways that uh, that PBMs generate revenue completely invisible to their clients. And they're, and they're experts at hiding revenue that they keep yeah. and, they, and they leverage the complexity of the transaction to do it. And, and abide by the letter of their contract. And if their contract doesn't mention it, then it's fair game. And we absolutely refuse to play those games. Great segue there. Steve, would love to hear from you. So what is it that sets Disclosed Rx apart from the competition like uh, Zach has mentioned and you just mentioned? Sure. Well, I mean, we have built a contract that eliminates all conflicts of interest with the pharma supply chain. And it starts with a, a groundbreaking clause that says 
we contractually limit ourselves to one only one source of revenue, and that's from our clients. We are prohibited from receiving any types of revenue from any other source. And that puts us squarely on the side with the client. We represent our clients, no one else. We're not in the middle of the transaction accepting money from both sides and trying to balance a relationship that way. We owe no allegiance to this pharma supply chain. So going from 53 individual revenue items, potential revenue items to one. Correct. Now that is, I think anybody who just would have just tuned in and hit play right when you said that would say, well, wait a minute, what's the catch? Are these guys cutting their own kneecaps out from underneath them here? When you walk into a prospect and say, hey, go with us and not these other guys, and you mention something like that, what do people in the room do? Well, I mean, first of all, they, they kind of find it hard to believe because they are, they are used to PBMs doing business the way PBMs do business. And a lot of times they don't believe us. We go ahead and we ask to do a reprice. We show the, the numbers. And even then it, it's, it comes back and, and, and sometimes it's hard for them to believe it. What's an example of some of those reprice on numbers and, and just not being specific, but just very general speaking, are there a huge amount of savings? Are you comparing drug costs uh, together, same drugs, different plans or what? Yeah, absolutely. Zach, do you want to go through that detail there or you want me to do that? So, I mean, we, we make this quick. The Against what we would classify as the, the, the big three or the big five, just think of your large PBMs, right? We're typically seeing somewhere between 38 and 42% net savings. So that's when you take everything into account, drug cost, our savings platform, rebates, our admin fee, because one of the other shell games that uh, large PBMs play is, well, we don't charge any admin fee, which sounds fantastic until you figure out that they have to make money somehow because they're, you know, they have shareholders. So um, you take our admin fee to, into account. And then at the end, you get to the one number that you can't play any games with. And that is how much so if, if there's a CFO listening to this podcast, how much did I spend on pharmacy benefits last year? They can look in the numbers and find out what that number is. And then we say, if it was disclosed Rx, here's how much you would have spent if we were the ones managing the drug cost. So large PBMs, about 40% potential savings. Other transparents were about 20% better from a drug cost savings platforms, rebates perspective. So it seems to take out a lot of complexity from it. I, I like simplicity. You know, I like going in there and saying, okay, I'm going to pay disclosed Rx. You know, is it a monthly model or is it some kind of engagement fee? And then that's it. Everything else is going to be delivered at the best cost that you possibly can get me without any other gimmicks, without any other layering and waste and all that kind of stuff on top of it. To me, that makes sense. You know, so Steve, going back to that kind of sales discussion, the people look at you and say, well, what's the catch? This is too good to be true. And then is there kind of sticker shock up front when they say, well, I'm going to be paying you a higher fee directly to access lower costs here? How do they compare that in their minds? Yeah, sure. And, and, and that part of that is up to us during our reprice to expose what they're truly paying. You know, we, we, we drive the conversation to talk about the total net cost of the, the transaction. And when you focus on that, you, you take into account the different factors that go into that net cost. And PBMs are experts at playing games with the different line items. And when you break it down, you go down to that, that bottom number that Zach referred to, which you can't play a game with. You look at what we can deliver versus what they're currently getting. And we're seeing those results that, that Zach talked about. And every reprice that we do where we're able to review claims data, we provide a savings guarantee that we put our fees at risk to meet. 
every year. And we know we're going to meet it, but we'll cut a check to our clients if we don't. I'm curious about your relationship with all the other players and in, in what we kind of call, quote unquote, historical workplace benefits. Uh, there's a big movement out there to really redefine what benefits are, you know, not just the same old health insurance song and dance, but where you guys are playing, you have TPAs, you've got benefit advisors, you've got brokers. What's your relationship with those entities and those people, companies, when you bring something like this to the table? Well, we'd love to be a trusted partner for them. My job as director of business development is to find those innovators who are out there who are looking to provide the true solution for their clients and who don't want to be part of the status quo. We don't play in the status quo game. We're just not a good fit for those folks. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we've found that out through many meetings that went nowhere, you know, and, and uh, that, that's part of being a startup and, 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 and going to market to see who your, who your target audience is, who's willing to listen, who really is truly wanting to make a difference. So we are looking for those TPAs, for, the, for those innovative advisors who are truly wanting to bring true value to their clients. And, and Steve hit the nail on the head there, Chris. It's really about finding the folks who are probably listeners of your podcast, right? The, the, the folks that want to see change in our industry. And, and I could rattle off a few names, but I, I, I'll, I'll refrain from that. But I, I think the, the, the important thing is that, that innovation, right? And, and wanting something better and knowing that better is out there. That, that's the part that we have to do better at, right? Is, is letting folks know that there is this better solution and it does work. And then I think once more people know that, you know, solutions like ours exist, not just for pharmacy benefits, but for musculoskeletal care, for direct primary care, there, there, there are a million different directions you could go. I, I think, you know, we are on the verge of a shift in, in healthcare as more folks learn about this stuff. I think, I think one thing that we're seeing is advisors are more knowledgeable now about pharmacy benefits than they were certainly 10 years ago, probably even five years ago, right? And as that knowledge gap continues to decrease between what large PBMs do, what large carriers do, and what is possible in the market, and as that innovation continues to develop, I think you'll start to see like some of the things that we're trying to put together are captive solutions where there's DPC built in and reference-based pricing built in and a PBM model like ours built in and musculoskeletal care built in and all of the, we're, we're kind of making an unbundled bundled plan, right? A, a bundle of all of these services and, and you're paying for each one individually. So there's no bundle pricing or you know games that we play that way, but trying to bring together all of these different players that have these really innovative solutions that can lower costs across the board. I think that's that's what as folks start to see those solutions working on the early adopters, that that's when we'll really gain some major traction. Yeah, it sounds like uh, a bundle of direct to consumer healthcare products. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> that's kind of where I went with that when you mentioned all those other products and services that would be really really nice for employers to be able to implement. But it's such a mental shift for a lot of people who've been in the CFO chair for a while or the HR chair, or, you know, even small businesses to say, well, this sounds too good to be true. What, why is this happening now? And is, is, are my people really going to use it? And, and that's the big thing. So leaving the brokers you know, aside, because it, it feels like there's a shift amongst that community too, that says, I just need to be paid by my actual client. And you know, I'm wondering if 
those are going to be the better brokers for you. The people that say, look, we operate in the same way. I, you know, my broker, I want to work with an advisor who goes to a company and says, pay me directly and I'm going to go out and find the best price for you and not have a commission from the plans that I sell. So a lot of these things are growing and, and kind of the big snowball pushing down the mountain there. I want to talk about the patient experience. So when you guys have a successful implementation of your PBM, of disclosed RX in a company, how do the employees, how do the patients really interact with it? What do they, what do they think about it? What do they feel about it? Are they aware of the savings that is possible? Yeah, I think so. What, so you've got a, in, in a whole member population, probably 90% of folks don't know who their PBM is and never will, mm-hmm. right? Because about 90%, that, that is your, your generic fill rate, right? The, about 90% of folks are going to be taking generic meds they go to the pharmacy with their ID card, they pay a 10 or $15 copay and away they go. And, and they don't really care about who the PBM is because it's a, you know, it's 10 or 15 bucks, right? The folks that we get to interact with on a consistent basis are going to be members that are on brand prescriptions, which make up about 8% of the pharmacy spend or specialty meds, which make up, you know, roughly one and a half to 2% of, of the pharmacy spend. Those are the members that we can have the greatest impact on through our savings program. And, and when I say impact on the member, not from a disruption standpoint, but it, we're disrupting their costs, right? So, so members are happy with that kind of disruption. So uh, from a member experience standpoint, for, for 90% of members, no one's even going to know that their PBM changed other than the fact that they have to give their new insurance card to the pharmacy. It's those other 10% that are driving more than 80% of the plan costs that we have to have really high touch, fantastic customer service for, which we do. And that high touch customer service has to produce results that are better than what the the market bears, which it does. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at the end of the day, that is really the group that we focus on the most. Now, of course, if a member has a generic prescription and, and they call us, we're going to provide them that same service. It's just, it's very rare that that call happens because they're just going to bring their car to the pharmacy, get their med and go about their day. Sure. Sure. And that makes sense. Cause most people are so insulated. They just go to a job and they say, uh, especially a new hire and say, Hey, do you have benefits? Yep. Okay, great. Sounds good to me. And it's just, I, I don't know why people do that without asking questions, maybe not going as far as, okay, so who, who is your PBM? But if I'm an employee, I want to really know buying into this really expensive, usually very expensive employer health plan that is my PBM controlled by the same company that's controlling my insurance because there's there's red flags popping off there left and right. You know, <laughs> it's like there's certain questions we can ask. Like, you know, I always I always tell people in this podcast and elsewhere, just on a patient level, that if you really want to impact healthcare right now, it's not a big problem that needs to be solved and it's overwhelming. Just go in and ask your doctor how much their service costs. And I say, every patient across the United States could do that. Well, if you're an employer, you know, start asking questions. Or if you're an employee looking at your new benefits packages, and I know a lot of the neurals just, just, kept it, just, just uh, got cemented in there. But if you're not asking questions, then you know, there's a lot more work you could be doing from the individual side. So putting that away, putting my public service announcement uh, away, getting off my soapbox here, where are you guys seeing your most, uh, most success? Where are you growing the most? Is it geographical? Is it within certain size companies? What's that look like? We're, we're seeing success all around the United States. A variety of industries, um, sizes from 150 lives to between one and 2,000. Uh, you know, our sweet spot is 
250 to you know 5,000 lives. That's where we, that's where we you know, sort of focus. We're certainly able to serve larger clients, but really any organization that is having issues with high cost specialty and brand name meds, we're a solution for it. Because and any self-funded. Self-funded, yes. Thank you, Jack. And those are all across the United States. And we, you know, going back to simplicity, we try to make it simple because we handle not only the, you know, the, Zach was talking about the generic and this brand and the specialty. We handle that all of that in-house. There's, there's brokers and advisors out there who are trying to do the best for their clients and find a cost control mechanism for the specialty and brands. And they've got to look for you know, a bolt-on company that they can bring in to try to lay over the top of a PBM to, to help control those costs. We do all that stuff in-house and we do it in a concierge care manner where we guide the, the member through the, the process, hold their hand. And we know as, a, as, as a, a new company and a new competitor in the marketplace that we have to do a fantastic job with each relationship we have. So that we earn that business and keep it, and we're going to do that, and uh, that's going to make our clients stay with us for a long, long time because of the way we do business. I love it. I love it, uh, Zach. I'll give you the the last word here. From what you guys see in, in the charity you occupy, what does the future of healthcare in the United States look like? Chris, honestly, I think I think it's pretty exciting. Uh, again, going back to s- some of the things that we're seeing with some of these different things that we're trying to do that, uh, frankly, are mostly ethereal right now, but some of it is starting to become tangible with direct primary care, with bringing in all of these elements, you know, captives that are returning money, you know, returning premiums back to clients and stop loss that are, you know, reducing their stop loss fees because they know that under this type of arrangement, there's going to be less lasers. And, you know, I, I think we're at a very exciting time where companies like ours will hopefully proliferate. And uh, eventually we will be competing not against these, these big incumbent conglomerates that, that handle every facet of, of healthcare in the wrong way, but we will get to more of a kind of community-based healthcare system, right? I, th- I think that is, that is ultimately the direction that we're heading. And I think that's best for providers, for payers, for members across the spectrum, that is a much better scenario for everyone involved. Something to aspire to. And, and I love your excitement about it. You know, there's a lot of times I'll ask that question and, and you just see the person's face just kind of melt down. It's like, well, you know, there's, a, there's certain ways we could go that would kind of make patients lose. And then, you know, there's not a lot of support for their way to make patients win. So I love the enthusiasm. I love the optimism. And, and I just want to reiterate that I agree with you. I mean, it's happening. You guys are doing it. There's people all over the country that are showing that, hey, a, a better way is out there. It's possible. It's not a figment of our imagination. And it is really, really happening. So kudos to, uh, to you, Zach, and, and you, Steve, for, for being at the forefront of really bringing transparency, not just as a buzzword, back into the, the pharmacy world and uh, truly helping out companies, businesses, and, and people along the way. So I want to thank you both for your time here. Thanks for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. Thanks for telling your story. And I wish you all the best of luck at Disclosed Rx. Thank, thank you, you so much. much, Chris. That's going to be it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. Once again, thank you to Steve Neverleb, Director of Business Development, and Zach Robinson, Managing Partner at Disclosed Rx. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. 
Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.